had a deal! I know we did, but that, that was before I... Oh, it's all so messed up. So everything in the ring... A trick? A lie? I screwed up. I, 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 I should have told you before now. I... Just... You, take this out on me. Be mad at me, but please... Just don't hurt Toothless. The dragon? That's what you're worried about? Not the people you almost killed? He was just protecting me. He, he's not dangerous. They've killed hundreds of us! And we've killed thousands of them! They defend themselves, that's all. They raid us because they have to. If they don't bring enough food back, they'll be eaten themselves. There's something else on their island, Dad. It's, it's a dragon like their you never... island? So you've been to the nest? Did I say nest? How did you find it? But no, I, I didn't. Toothless did. Only a dragon can find the island. Oh, no, 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 Dad, no, please. It's not what you think. You don't know what you're up against. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Dad, please. I promise you, you can't win this one. Dad, no. For once in your life, would you please just listen to me? You've thrown your lot in with them. You're not a Viking. You're not my son. Ready to shift! So, as you see, uh, this is from the How to Train Your Dragon number one. Number three is coming up. Annabelle has clearly marked her calendar to make sure that she won't miss number three. <laughs> and so, uh, this is her favorite movie uh, series. And uh, I showed this movie because, scene, because you notice that Stoic, the big guy, uh, he just doesn't see it, right? He just uh, keeps on focusing on one thing and one thing only. He just doesn't see the bigger picture of what Hiccup was trying to do. And that's what the theme is for today. Now, before we go into the whole sermon, why Deuteronomy? Why are we studying Deuteronomy? Well, not only is it part of the Torah, you know the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, it's also a crucial uh, five scrolls that the Jews, even today, depend on for their, their history. It's their whole being. It's this Torah. So Deuteronomy is the fifth, the fifth scroll of the five scrolls. And it's the direct contact between humanity and God. If you think about it, this is when God was quite vocal, quite personal, quite relational. So that's why. Second, also if you're quite uh, familiar, if you study the New Testament and uh, you read a lot of Paul's letters, Paul quotes Deuteronomy often. Every letter he quotes a quote from Deuteronomy. In fact, 80% of a lot of the, his letters are actually in reference to or quoted directly from Deuteronomy. Now, not only Paul, but we have another famous person in the Bible. And here we go. What's this, the best Sunday school answer? Jesus! Right. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy often. Whether he alludes to it, whether he follows a theme with it, or he just blatantly just quotes it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. That's from Deuteronomy. Love your neighbor. That's from Deuteronomy. So Jesus even quotes from Deuteronomy. So hence, that's why out of the five books that I wanted to uh, preach on, I thought, which one of these uh, Torah scrolls should we focus on? It's Deuteronomy. Leviticus? Eh, yeah, mm, I, I can't relate to boiling a calf in its mother's milk type of thing. It's, I don't do that unless some Asian restaurant does it around Richmond. But, you know, like, but Deuteronomy, there's quite a few things that we could actually draw from because Jesus and Paul quotes from them. 
from those passages. And hence, that's why we're going into Deuteronomy. The goal for our series also is not to just to look at Deuteronomy, expound it, but we also want to, again, like I said, how do we apply it today in our lives, specifically in the 21st century in Canada, especially in Vancouver, when we have a lot of multiculturalism, polytheism, this blatant, hot, like, polite hospitality type of thing, right? How do we do that here? All right, so let's move on. So if you uh, have your Bibles, please uh, start off with Deuteronomy, turn to Deuteronomy chapter one. Now I titled this sermon, Myopia, okay? Since I believe all of us at some point in our lives had myopic moments. Now what do I mean? Like, well, first, I think the best way to, to, to start off was to first define myopic. What is, what is myopic? Well, let's look at some of the synonyms, synonyms of myopia, of myopic. Well, number one is unimaginative, uncreative, unadventurous, narrow-minded, small-minded, short-term, short-sighted. Now, please, if you are married, don't look at your spells. So, like, if you look at all this listing here, that's myopia. And I'm sure if you ask Rosanna right now uh, what, what type of myopia I have, it would be the last three, four, five, <laughs> right? Like, it would be like mainly narrow-minded, small-minded, short-term and short-sighted. And then I, I thought I was a long-term type of guy. I thought I would be you know, a long-game type of person. But do you know when I really become short-sighted? When I become really narrow-minded? It's when things just don't go well. When bad things happen. When things just don't go my way. When, when I'm faced with obstacles, when I'm faced with problems, like problem people, problem in relationships, problem with situations, I become short-sighted. I become like more like, I gotta address this now, or not even address it, I gotta, don't, don't even fight it, I just fly away. I say, you know what, let's just cut our losses and leave, right? Because it's just not going my way. It's not comfortable. It's not, the, it's not according to what I want. I just wanna escape, cut my losses and move on. That myopia. There's no such thing, like there's no thought of maybe looking at this obstacle saying, hey, maybe this obstacle is God's way of maturing me. Maybe this is this struggle that I'm having, this obstacle that I'm having for the past three months is not to escape, but maybe it's God's way of molding me to the person that he wants me to be. No, 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 none of that happens to me. When it, when it comes to short term, like when it comes to a, a uh, problem, I just want to run away or attack it full front and just bash it down and then mow it over and leave everybody else in the dust. That was my past life. Hopefully it remains in my past. So that type of thing, you follow? All right, so this whole short term thing also is interesting enough, when I look back at myself and then uh, when the moments that I have short term or myopia, it's when I become, it's when my pride gets hit as well. It's when pride, when somebody or something attacks my pride, and then I really want to just focus on myself, that I become short-sighted as well. So I commend to you that you may agree or disagree, but I find that pride is correlated with short-sightedness. Pride follows with short-sightedness, like hand-to-hand. So every time we face obstacles, is it really about the obstacle or is it just about us? And we just want to run away because we're just not comfortable, right? So pride and their minus. Interesting enough, unfortunately, interesting enough, marriage is the same way today. If you look at marriages and if you look at the, the statistics on marriage, why do marriages only last an average of five years? 
Well, because after the honeymoon is over, what do you face? That person, right? Oh, God, like, you, you look like that when you wake up? You know, you know, that type of thing, right? It's like, uh, you know, you suddenly realize that, man, it takes a lot of effort to remain romantic. You know, like, especially when love handles start to develop, when your, like, skin starts to sag, when things just don't work well, you know, like, i.e. rectal function type of thing. You know, like, it's hard to remain romantic and intimate with your spouse. When your kids happen, when kids happen, it's even harder. You know, like, uh, when you want to be intimate, what happens? Knock, knock, daddy, I need something. Right? It's like, it's very difficult to remain, but it's hard work. Yet, are we willing to uh, make that work? No, apparently statistics show that we tend to just run away from it. Because at the end of five years, we said, you know what, enough is enough. Reboot button, no more endurance, let's call it a day. We had fun for the five years, time to find another person. Right? That's what Statistics Canada is showing us, is that we do not have that endurance right now. Because, that's, because it's, just, it's just not comfortable anymore, it's too hard. It's too hard to endure. But talk to anyone that uh, reaches this 40-year mark, like my mentor, who has been married for about more than 40 years now, Don, Don and Anne, they said they are, they're right now having the best time of their lives. Sex is even better. So there you go. I had to put that in. It's very important. Right? So that, so, that, so here's my thesis for today then, before we, we start. Without faith and trust and humility, I, uh, I forgot to add humility there. Without faith, trust, and humility in God, we will always be short-sighted and lose out on witnessing and living out the biggest life-fulfilling, blowing-your-mind-away adventure that God has in store for you and I. Let me, let me repeat that again. Without faith, humility, and trust in God, we will always be short-sighted and lose out on witnessing and living out the biggest, life-fulfilling, blowing-your-mind-away adventure that God has in store for you and I. Just like marriage. C. Why do I say myopia? Why do I want to focus on eyes? Well, because when you look at these uh, four chapters, when you go and if you want to decide to study it in your cell groups, the word C is mentioned 66 times in these four chapters. 66. The word ra'a in Hebrew. This word, C, is mentioned 66 times, and so if you're like me and you've been with me for a while, anytime a word is mentioned so many times, it's important. So we gotta focus on that. We gotta look at that. We gotta read these chapters in light of that word, in light of that theme. And then so our task today is to look at those chapters, look at those passages with the C, and try to put a one line of thought right through it. And so I'm not going to touch much about the history that's been repeated by Moses. I'm going to let that, leave that with you and your cell group if you want. What I want to do right now is, like I said, is to focus on these passages with the word see. So let's begin with chapter 1. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give you to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. See, God made a promise to Abraham and his descendants. What did he promise? Land, right? Land flowing with milk and honey. Land that will make you flourish. Land that will 
be not only a space, but a space for you to enjoy God's presence. You follow? This is not just land to give you some material wealth. This land is to give you enjoyment with God's presence, a relationship with God. God's faithfulness to his people and his trustworthiness is what qualifies God as righteous. Now, how did he do that? Well, he said this. He freed the Israelites from Egyptian slavery and took them through the vast and dreadful wilderness all the way to the edge of the promised land. Now, some of you who have been a Christian for a while are familiar with the story. It's called the Exodus, right? So you know this story. However, you also know what should have been an 11-day trip took 40 years. What should have been 11 days took 40 years. Why? It's because of their myopia, of the Israelites' myopia. They couldn't see. The Lord says, see the land I have for you to take possession of it, but they didn't see it. What did they see? We'll get into that. But first, they couldn't see it, so they ended up journeying in this desert in circles, right? In circles, taking detours, always recalculating their Google Maps, right? For 40 years. Okay, let's move on to verse 19. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you. Again, saw, see, as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. Verse 33. Who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. God reminded the Israelites that if it wasn't for his guidance and provision, they wouldn't have survived the trip between Israel, Egypt, and now. Look back, God is saying. Look back and see the vast and dreadful wilderness that you just came out of. Shouldn't you be thankful and in awe that you actually survived the whole trip here? The desert had nothing for you. There was no water. There were a lot of snakes. There were a lot of like just cacti. But you couldn't have survived if it wasn't for God. Don't you see? Doesn't this show you how powerful God is saying, I am, how powerful I am, that I am powerful enough to not only sustain you, but to fight for you, to fulfill this promise that I have for you. But instead of remembering what God did for them, instead of remembering and being thankful, what did the, the Israelites do? Now, if you, some of you who were at the David Bentel talk, is the opposite of thankfulness is what? Worry. You cannot be worried. You cannot worry and be thankful at the same time. Our brain is just not wired that way, apparently. And God made it that way. So what did they do? They became worried. They became bitter and grumbly. In verse 28, let's move on. Verse 28, what did they say? After when a bunch of spies reported that, oh my goodness, they're so big, right? They're like six feet tall, and yeah, technically they're just six feet tall, but they're so big, right? And they had, oh, by the way, if for those who have remembered the story, did the Israelites really saw those people? Not really. It was a spies report, right? Kind of like fake news, right? So it's like, uh, so, but the Israelites believed it. So, so the, what did they say? Verse 28, where can we go? We're stuck now. Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. Now, these are the spies they're talking about. They say, the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. 
Did they really see the Anakites there? They weren't even there. But they did. So the spies report, and it wasn't all the spies, it's just the majority of the spies, because uh, the other two spies were Joshua and Caleb, and they actually said, no, we could do this, right? But the rest of the spies created them jeepers and creepers, right, amongst the, amongst the people. Not only were they afraid, but they were discouraged, depressed, and started to grumble, and they hid in their tents. Oh my goodness, they stayed in their tents. They stayed at home, just whining and complaining at home. How many of you know some people like that? I don't know, I forget, let's move on. Okay, like, they, they stayed in their tents. They were so fixated on this obstacle that they exaggerated the obstacle. The Anakites were even there. You know that the spies didn't even mention the Anakites. This is just a rumor that just happened in their tents. This is what happens when you don't trust God and you start to focus on yourself, you start to lie to yourself. They even exaggerate the obstacle, saying that this obstacle is even bigger than God himself to overcome. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it. Yeah, right. Right? This problem is huge beyond God's ability. They forgot. And God says, see, see what I did for you? But they didn't. So what happened? What happened then? They missed out on a life opportunity. They, lift, they missed out on the biggest opportunity they're going to get to be the first people to set foot on the promised land. Because what happened next? Verse 35. No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. No one, except Caleb and apparently Joshua, if you read, would set foot on this land. And hence, the 40-year journey began. Right? They couldn't see past the obstacle. They couldn't see past the obstacle, a missed opportunity. So let's conclude with this chapter with this. Because of Israel's unfaithfulness towards God, because they didn't trust God or remember what God has already done for them, they only saw the obstacles in front of them and made the obstacles bigger than God. They saw their problems bigger, that God, oh, you can't fight for me on this one. It's too big for you. Let's look at ourselves today. Are you facing problems at work? Yeah. <laughs> right? Are you facing problems at work? Are you facing problems with your boss, especially, or your coworkers and colleagues? That things just aren't going your way, right? Are you facing problems with your family or your marriage? Do you trust that God is powerful enough to pull you through? Or are you going to just call it a day and throw in the towel and call it quits? Because if you do, may I remind you, you may be missing out on the grandest opportunity to live a life that is so wonderful and glorious and they'll blow your mind away if you do not endure. You might be missing something out. That we have to trust God that he will take us to the promised land, a full, eternal, flourishing kind of life with him. And not just that, good fruits that are waiting for you in the near future. God is reminding us through this chapter to endure, trust in God, and he will bring you to the promised land. He's not punishing the Israelites uh, this time around. You know that, right? It's just that the Israelites are not willing to go, so hey, you're going to miss out because you're not willing to go. Hence, you're just going to wander around for 40 years. Let's move on. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24. Set out now 
and cross the Arnon Gore. See, I have given you, given into your land, Shihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his country, begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. The Lord said to me, see, I have begun to deliver Sihon and his country over to you. Now begin to conquer and possess his land. Okay, this is round two. Now, this is after the 48th. This is on the 38th year. That's what uh, historians would say. How I read this passage in this chapter is that God fights for us. You know, you have a bad boss, he'll fight for you. You have a bad coworker, he'll fight for you. You have a bad system, bad company, bad thing, bad thing, he'll fight for you and he'll make it work. My brother is, uh, back then when we were really young in uh, elementary, my brother is, is four years younger than me. So um, when we were in elementary school, I would be called to do his fights. Whenever he gets into a fight, I would be the one fighting. Uh, my mom tells me, to step in to fight for my brother because he's so tiny, right? <laughs> right? So my mom would tell me to fight. Now, guess what she would also tell me? Oh, by the way, when you fight, please give your glasses to someone else to hold because they're very expensive, <laughs> right? Okay, so yes, that's my mom. So instead of teaching your son good diplomacy, no, go and fight, but please protect your glasses, <laughs> right? Because they're very expensive. Yeah, geez, right? So. It's not like that with God, though. Like, it's much more than that. But how, do you, how would you feel if there would be always God on your side fighting for you? Always fighting for you, your battles for you. That you could continue to keep on going because you will know that, that you will conquer it because God is on your side. I think this brings up for a verse that we know in 831 in Romans. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So hence, if God is fighting for you, Israelites, why do you need to worry about these little Anakites or parasites, right? All those sites, right? God tells the Israelites through Moses that God is fighting for them and for us. Who can possibly stand against God? Who? He's the one who out-wrestled Pharaoh. He's the one who parted the Red Sea. He did. He's the one who took down the bigger army in the previous battle to get there. These two smaller guys, pff, there is nothing God cannot handle. See Israel, see people of God. What do you have to be afraid of? Why do you have to escape from it then? Why do you have to leave? Endure. You know those people who backstab you, threaten you, demote you, demoralize you? Those people are nothing. And so remember, this is why it's really cool to quote from the executive series. Because what the, remember Phoebe Chan? She goes, yeah, when I, you know, my first court case litigation, I went up and, the, and then I saw this guy with a beautiful robe and I only had this black robe. And, then the, the, and I go, what? And then she goes, wow, you have this beautiful, why are you have this? Because I'm the queen's crown counsel. And then what did she say? Well, I'm a child of God, so there. Right? She didn't see that as an obstacle. Right? Most of us might freak out. But she tapped into who she was and who she is, a child of God. Who can stand against me then? Not a queen crown counsel. Right? All right, let's move on. Deuteronomy chapter 11, I mean, chapter 3, verse 21, 24, 25. Uh, I'll read it. At that time, I commanded Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kings over there where you are going. Now, chapter 3. Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty work you do. Let me go over and see the good land. Oh, sorry, I didn't read this in proper tone. Let me go, please. 
Come on! I beg you! Please let me go! Please, please, please! Please, pretty please! That's how it's supposed to be read, okay? Please let me go, let me go! To the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country of Lebanon. Go up to the top of Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes since you are not going. Not going, Moses. Sorry, dude. You're not going. Ain't going. To cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. You know, a common phrase that I get in the company and disciple side when I talk to career people is the word unfair. Unfair! I worked so hard, did so much for this company, worked OT, and what do I get? Nothing. Ziskwat. Absolutely nothing. No promotion, no stock options, no corner office. Heck, even my cubicle is smaller than the washroom. Right? I get nothing in return. Where's my reward? Where's my dues? Where's my just dues? That's how Moses sounded when he was talking to God. He vented, didn't he? He vented. Uh, that, okay, wait, wait. Don't blame Moses. Don't blame Moses for this. Because if you think about it, for 40 freaking years, right? He's been, he's been guiding this people, right? And like these whiny, complaining people, these ingrateful people who keep on forgetting who God is. And the reason why they are wandering for 40 years is because of the people, right? So you, Moses goes, how come you cannot just forgive me for that one little freaking stone strike. Okay, I was supposed to tap it. Okay, fine, I hit it, right? But you're God, you're a forgiving God. Why don't you let me go in? Why don't you let me get promoted? Why don't you let me get promoted to VP of Finance? Why do you have to let this young, handsome, bodacious looking UBC grad with an MBA and an honors degree at CPA and, you know, a, you know, person, overtake me. Yeah, sure, I'm old, but I have much more experience than he does. Why do you have to promote him over me? Sounds familiar? A little bit? Why, why does that person get it instead of me? I've done so much. Why do you have to give it to Joshua? He's just a young Yahoo, for sure, he's strong, sure, he's handsome, sure, he, he gets the babes, sure, he's like, you know, has the, you know, tenacity and the bravery and the boldness and able to speak and great in speaking and everything, but I've done a lot. How come? Myopia. Short-sightedness. See, Moses immediately, like, uh, accident, well, actually, like us, he would tap into his pride. What was being attacked? His pride. What did, what did he forget to see? He forgot that he actually literally had a great life in the past already. He lived a fat, wonderful life that you and I would have dreamed of. A life in face-to-face -face relationship with God. Who has that? Who has the direct communication vocally with God and God can call him his friend? Right? Moses is the only individual, one of the very few, that God actually spoke vocally and personally and actually touched Moses with his hand so that he doesn't see him, so that he doesn't die, so that he can only see his back. Remember? He's the only guy. Moses is the one who actually received the Ten Commandments, literally saw a finger of God, the finger of God, to write on the stone tablets. 
and yet he forgot. All he wanted was what's in front of him, that promised land. I just want to go in. Forgot everything else. Moses allowed his short-sightedness, unfortunately, we too allow our short-sightedness to define what success and achievement is. Moses thought, my achievement is the promised land. My achievement is that promotion. My achievement is to get ahead. My achievement is to hit that six-digit figure. And yet, that's not what achievement in God's eyes is. Our short-sightedness is really correlated with our pride. Not in completely forgetting to be actually thankful for the life that he has already given us, that what he has already shown us. The little glimpse of that wonderful adventure that he has in store for us. Don't allow our short-sightedness cloud what we already have, and don't allow our short-sightedness to define what achievement and success is. Deuteronomy, let's move on. Deuteronomy, last chapter, chapter four. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal, Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. Or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children, to their children after them. Hmm. This sounds a little bit like rules, doesn't it? God is telling them to keep the rules. Well, there's rules of marriage, right? There's rules in marriage. There's rules in life. There's rules in everything. Rules in engaging people. Us Christians, we are called to love God and love your neighbor. That's a rule. This chapter, interestingly enough, comes just before chapter 5. And chapter 5 is where? Uh, chapter 5 is what? It's where the Ten Commandments are. It's where all the commandments start to begin. And so chapter 4 is like a precursor to it, a prelude to it. And so here are two points I want to make. There are times when we question, well, why can't I do that? It's because we're Christian. Well, why can't I marry uh, a non-Christian? Because we're Christian. Why can't I get, like, uh, live together and not get married but live together? Because we're Christian. Why can't I do drugs? Because we're Christian. Why can't I smoke dope? Because we're Christian. A lot of rules. Well, I want to leave two principles then with you. Sometimes we forget. We only see the rules as itself. We only see it as, oh, I need to obey, do nots and do's. But what does Jesus say? If you have your Bibles and you could quickly turn to it, go to John chapter 14, verse 15. I don't think I have it up on the slide. Jesus says this, and it's in the light of the theme of Deuteronomy. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Do you love Jesus? Then keep my commands. See, it's not about obeying, per se. It's actually not. It's about how do we respond to what Jesus has already done for you? How do we respond in gratitude? We're not quite sure how. Within our human capacity, we don't know. We don't know what's actually like, good to offer to Jesus. I still remember this song. What can I offer, right? What can I offer? What can I offer except praise to you, thanksgiving to you? Well, how does you define that? Well, Jesus helps us out. Obey my commands. Do what I say. That's how you be grateful for the life that I have given you, right? So it's not about obeying. It's about gratitude. How do you live a life of gratitude of what he has given you? 
is to obey and do what he says. We obey not because for salvation. No, or else we'll be boasting about that. No, it's because we want, we want to abide in his commands to be in relationship with God, to continue to show our gratitude of what he has already done in our lives and what he's continued to do in our lives. Second principle. The next one is more about do you even believe that there is this promise that God has for you? Do you even believe that this destination exists? Right? Because, oh, we will get into that in the next few weeks. Because if you do not believe in the destination that exists, you mean, meaning the eternal flourishing life that is with God, if you don't believe in that, and if you don't believe that that's important to you, why are you even here? Right? You have better things to do. Right? Like, why are you even here if you do not believe in the destination? Okay, here's what I mean. These rules, think of it as Google Map. Right? Okay, Google. True, I think I just turned on my phone. <laughs> All right. Okay, Google. Show me, like, direct me to eternal life, flourishing life, you know, with God. Right? Think about it. What would, it's on a, just, just picture I'm just using a metaphor. I know I'm really downgrading and, you know, simplifying it. But, and then Google, like, the Bible has been up. Here it is. Here's the direction to go. Here's how you get to the eternal flourishing life with God. That, that promise that God has for you, the covenant life that we will explain in the next few weeks. Here it is, right? Now, we have a choice, right? We either choose to follow it or not. But then, along the way, life gets hazy, right? And we lose track. And thankfully, by the grace and mercy of God, we calculate. Get it? I had to use throw it at that term. He recalculates recalcul- for us. Okay, sure, you can kind of like, <laughs> right? You took a little detour. Sure, you hit a speed bump. Sure, you hit a wall. Sure, you hit a dead end. But thank God, he's mercy and grace. He, he recalculates for us and say, don't worry, readjust. You still, get a, you still have a choice to make. Do you want to continue to pursue this destination? So actually, the question is, do we even believe in this destination? Do we believe that this destination exists and it's worth it? Do you believe in that destination that is worth it to follow this life that's called the covenant life, the promised life? Because if you don't, yeah, then these commandments mean nothing to you. Then these rules of engagement, this loving your neighbor and loving God, doesn't really apply to you. But if you really believe in it, thank God that you can always come to him and say, please recalculate. Right? Please help me to readjust my compass again. Maybe my, uh, my compass on my phone is distorted. It happens. Right? Maybe something distorted. Thank God we can always come back and say, Lord, help me to recalculate. Amen?